those of you who may not know, the International Mission Board is the uh, main missions organization that we partner with as Southern Baptist. We also have the joy of partnering with other missions organizations as they come about uh, and as we have opportunity. But we, uh, we celebrate that, and you're going to be hearing about missions over the next few weeks. Uh, quick pop quiz, though. Uh, without looking in your worship guide, without looking it up, what's the mission of our church? Go ahead and write that in the blank, and I'll give you a moment to do that. If you wrote pointing people to Jesus, give yourself a hand. That is the mission of our church. It's easy to remember, right? Pointing people to Jesus. Say it with me. Pointing people to Jesus. All right. That's the mission of our church. That's where we're headed. That's who we want to be, what we want to be about, pointing people to Jesus. And this morning, we're kicking off a mission series where we're going to look at how we point people to Jesus, both close to home and around the world. Um, that's God's plan for believers. That's Christ's command to Christians. That's the purpose of this church. That's the purpose of every church is that we would be a church that points people to Jesus here, there, and everywhere. Uh, in a couple of weeks on March 10th, we're going to be looking at how and actually going out and pointing people to Jesus through Love Loud. Uh, that's our opportunity to show and share the love of, of Jesus to people all around us through practical uh, ministry and mission projects. You can sign up for Love Loud in your Connect group or at the back table over there if you haven't already done so. i uh, got a lot of people signed up, so way to go, but that's on two Sundays. Next Sunday, we're going to look at our strategy for pointing people to Jesus by reaching the lost here in North America. Did you know, did you know that the United States, that North America, uh, the United States and Canada is the third largest mission field in the world? It's the largest mission field in the Western Hemisphere, third largest mission field in the world. There was a time 40, 50 years ago where, you know, we're like, hey, we're sending missionaries out because everybody's saved. We, we, we've reached everybody. We've done got them all, you know, uh, and, and we can just send everybody out. Well, that wasn't the case 40 or 50 years ago, and it certainly isn't the case today. We've got people from other countries coming here because America needs Jesus. And so we, uh, our strategy for reaching the unreached areas of the United States and Canada uh, is is church planting. That is uh, something that we've been a part of as a church all since our beginning from the very start. This church was a church plant. How many of y'all knew that? That 60-something years ago, this church was a church plant, and in its first 20 or so years was involved in several church plants, and so we're excited to get back into that. Next week, you're going to hear more about that. You're going to get to hear from somebody who's starting a church here in Tucson, uh, reaching the lost, reaching the unreached right here in Tucson. And today, as we kick off this mission series, we're going to look at pointing people to Jesus from a global perspective. We're going to look at reaching the unreached, reaching the nations with the good news of Jesus. And, and what we're going to see is that's the goal. That's why we exist as a church. That's why every church ought to exist, is to reach the nations. Uh, that's, that's plan A. There is no plan B. There is no backup plan for reaching the lost around the world other than churches like this taking it upon themselves to fulfill the Great Commission, to do what Jesus said, and to go reach the lost. And we're going to see that it's not just the, the goal, that it, but it's our job. You know, it's not somebody else's job. It's our job to do our part. So I invite you, grab your sermon notes, uh, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. Man, I just love, love, love that song we just sang. That is just, I mean, it was kind of a slam dunk. You know, we're talking about Revelation, and so 
Pastor Noah was looking up song. Here's one called Revelation Song. That's an easy one. But man, knowing what we're going to talk about today and then listening to the words of that song and singing that with you was just, uh, for me, was just amazing. Let's look at Revelation chapter 7. Just a couple of verses today, uh, verses 9 and 10. It says, after this, this is John the Apostle writing this. He says, after this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before, and before the Lamb. You see that L in Lamb is capitalized. It's talking about Jesus. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Man, I love this passage. This is the core passage for some of our missions organizations for International Mission, Mission Board. In this passage, John is describing what he sees, this scene in heaven of people from all over the world, from every part of the world, every country, every, little, every tribe within that country, every people group, every language spoken within that country, all coming together to praise Jesus for the salvation that he has provided. And my hope for us today, my hope for me, my hope for you is that we would live with a global mindset of pointing people to Jesus so that we can reach the unreached. And I think we can get there by answering three questions. Three questions that this passage answers for us. And the first question is this, if you're following along in your your notes, number one is this, what's the end result? The first question we need to answer, if we're going to live with a global mindset, if we're going to reach the unreached around the world, we have to ask ourselves, what's the end result? Just, just be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but just be honest. Do you ever wonder what this is all about? Like, what, like what are we doing Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? You know, showing up, going to connect group, serving somewhere, giving, you know, maybe, you know, maybe going a little bit beyond that and like, okay, I'm going to invite somebody back to all of this. You know, I may maybe even share my testimony. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be faithful in praying and, and reading my Bible. Do you ever wonder, it's like, where is this all headed? Like, is it, is it even accomplishing anything? What's the point of all this? Well, in Revelation chapter 7, we get a glimpse of what the point of all of this right here is. We get a description of the end result. We get, a, a, we get to see the finish line. We get to see the goal. Listen to what it says in verse 9 again. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Guys, the end result is people from every part of the world celebrating Jesus, celebrating salvation in Christ, celebrating that they have received the salvation of Jesus, the salvation that Jesus provides as a result of believing in him. This is the end result. It's the end result of us fulfilling the Great Commission. It's the end result of us doing what God told us to do, what Jesus told his disciples to do in Matthew 28 when he said, go into, uh, excuse me, he said, go make disciples of all nations. It's the end result of Acts 1-8, where Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It's the end result of Mark 16-15, where Jesus says, and then he told them, uh, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into all the world. 
to all people, all nations, all places. Go reach the world. Those were Jesus' instructions 2,000 plus years ago, and those are his instructions to us today, and that's what we see happening here in Revelation 7-9. We see the fulfillment. We see the end results. Guys, that's why we do what we do as a church. That's why we show up week after week after week. Hey, listen, football season just ended. Uh, for the five of us in here who are paying attention, NASCAR just started. But there's a bunch of y'all who probably are really excited about baseball, you know, because baseball is, is you know, we got spring training going on. And, and one day, one day at the end of the season, there's going to be a bunch of fans who are celebrating their team winning the World Series. But you don't get there without what's happening right now up in Phoenix, what's happening right now down in Florida, without spring training, teams and players showing up and practicing and getting ready for what's coming. That's what we're doing today, guys. One of the reasons we do what we do as a church is we want to be a part of seeing this end result of Revelation 7-9 come about. We want to point people to Jesus. And when they come to faith in Jesus, we want to give them a place where they can worship Jesus, where they can grow up in Jesus, where they can serve Jesus, and for some of them to go and be sent out to tell other people about Jesus. We want to be a part of seeing countless people from every nation, every tribe, every language, every people to come to know Jesus. That's the goal. And if that's the goal of seeing people from every nation, tribe, people, and language get into heaven, if that's the end result we're shooting for, then there's another question that we have to ask. There's another question this passage answers. Number two is this, how do people get there? Number one is, what's the end result? Number two is, how do people get there? How do people get to heaven? What does it take for people to get to heaven? How does this vast multitude of people represented here in chapter 7 of Revelation, who, who at one time were unreached, who at one time were unbelievers, how do they or how will they make it into heaven? Well, verse 10 is very clear. Listen to what they're praising Jesus for. Listen to what they're praising God for. Revelation 17, it says, And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. How do people get there? How do people get to heaven? How do they get to this place where they're celebrating? It's through Jesus. It's through placing their faith in Jesus. Salvation comes through Christ alone, and that's it. You know, every so often there's a show that, that comes on, that, uh, that's about religion or heaven or about angels helping people out or helping people get to heaven. How, see, how many of y'all remember this? How many of y'all remember the show with Michael Landon, Highway to Heaven? Yeah, you know, he, he, would, he, would, he was an angel who would, every episode, he would help those in need and teach them some kind of moral lesson, you know. How about a few years later, there was one starring Della Reese called Touched by an Angel. You guys remember that? Yeah, a few more hands. Okay. Uh, you know, angels are being sent down from heaven to, to bring hope and, and guidance to people. You know, even there was one even on there, I think he was the angel of death and people feared him, but it was like, it's okay. You're going to be, he, he made death so comforting or, or whatever. And then Bridget and I like to show it, maybe less, maybe you know about this one. It's called Seventh Heaven. Anybody remember that one? 
few. Okay, yeah, it was about a family. It was about a preacher and his wife and their, and their kids and their big family navigating, you know, what it was like to do life in ministry, but also just go through the, the regular rhythms of life and this, the challenges that we all go through. All right, for those of you under the age of 40, there's another one you'll recognize called The Good Place. How many of y'all know that one? All right, good deal. So all my young, all the younger people are like, oh, finally, yeah, you know. And if you haven't seen it, I won't, I won't ruin it for you. But, you know, it's basically, it's a handful of people uh, are up in heaven, and they're led to believe that they made it to heaven because they were basically good people, you know. And as the, as the episode goes on, they, they each kind of disclose, it's like, I don't belong here, you know. I'm not that good of a person, you know. What am I doing here? But they don't want anybody else to find out, and they don't want to get kicked out, you know. And so these shows can be cute, they can sometimes be wholesome, even, even sometimes inspiring, but I have a hard time watching them. I have a hard time watching them because I can't help but criticize what they get wrong theologically. You know, I can't, I can't give, that's not how it works. That's not what, you know, I mean, and, and my family won't watch these shows with me because basically these shows and pretty much most of them that you see out there Unless it's, you know, uh, like a, a Christian movie produced by a Christian company or a Christian TV show or whatever. Most of them, you know, uh, w they're talking about religion or God or, or, or heaven or whatever. The message they carry is that as long as you're a good person, everything's going to be okay. You know, as long as you're a good person, you don't have anything to worry about. You'll make it in. You'll, you'll get to heaven. And that's just not what Scripture tells us. Listen again to what verse 10 says. It says they, talking about the, the great multitude, the great crowd there in heaven, it says they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb or from Jesus who is the Lamb of God. Guys, salvation is through Jesus alone. Listen to what Peter says to the religious leaders in Jerusalem when they were questioning him and, and John. Verse 11 of Acts 4, he says, For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Verse 12, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Guys, there is no other way to get to heaven except through placing your faith in Jesus. In what he did on the cross, God raising him back to life, and you saying, that's it. Jesus has done it all. He's done everything. Guys, listen, I absolutely believe that our God is a loving God. I absolutely believe what 2 Peter 3, 9 says, where it says that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance and to salvation. But I also know God is a holy God, and God is a just God, which means he has to punish sin. And Romans three twenty three tells us that all of us have sinned. How many of us have sinned? All of us have sinned. And the punishment for sin is just a little slap on the hand and then you'll be okay. No! The punishment for sin, Romans 6.23 says, is death. The wages of sin is death. But thanks be to God because out of his great love for us, that while we were still sinners, the Bible says that Christ died for us. He took the punishment that we deserved. He died in our place. And he promises that all who believe in him, all who confess him as Savior and Lord, will be saved. Saved from death. Saved from death and hell and the punishment we deserve. And instead, one day, get saved into a glorious relationship with God in heaven. We're going to get to stand in heaven and be among those in Revelation 7, 9, and 10 who are praising Jesus for salvation. That's the end result. 
That's the end result. That's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And the only way people get there is when they hear and believe in the name of Jesus. So that leads us to the last question. Number three, what's our, result? What's our role? What's our responsibility? We've seen the end result, whole mess of people up in heaven praising Jesus. We've seen that there's only one way to get there. That's through believing in Jesus. So what's our responsibility? What's our role? You know, Revelation's a book written by the Apostle John. He describes a vision that Jesus gave him, a, a scene that Jesus revealed to him, something that was to come. That's why the book is called Revelation. Something was revealed. And what I love about this scene that's been shown to John is that John saw something that he could personally celebrate. You know, all these people worshiping Jesus, they had, all these people, they had placed their faith in Jesus. John could look at that, and, and without patting himself on the back or puffing his chest or whatever, he could look at that and celebrate and say, you know what, I was a part of that. I was a part of that. You know, John was an apostle. He was a part of the early church. He was there when, Peter's, uh, when Peter uh, spoke on the, uh, on, on, on the balcony, and, and all the different apostles were out there sharing the gospel, translating what Peter said into the languages of about the 15 or so different uh, nations and people groups that were there, who then took it back to their homeland. You know, John was uh, a part of seeing the gospel spread throughout Judea and beyond. He was, he, he was a part of the early church of Jerusalem that, that made the tough decisions of how do we keep spreading the gospel and, and in, instead of holding on to tradition. This was a scene that John could personally celebrate. And guys, my hope, my hope, it's okay, <laughs> my hope for me and for you is that when we get to heaven, that when we see this scene, that you and I will get to personally celebrate also. That you and I will get to say, we got to be a part of that. We got to, we got to, we got to see people come to faith in Jesus. So how's that, how's that going to happen? What's going to be required of us? What's it going to take for us to be a part of reaching the unreached and one day standing with this great crowd of people and celebrating these people who've come to faith in Jesus? Well, let me give you four things we can do. And if we get the first one right, the next three fall into place pretty easy. All right? First thing we do is we pray. The first thing we can do to be a part of reaching the unreached is we pray. Everything starts with prayer. We don't pray for the work. Prayer is the work. Say that with me. Prayer is the work. That's, that's one of our values, guys. Prayer is the work. I would encourage you to set up a time, set up a reminder, set up something in your, uh, in your calendar to remind you to pray daily for missions. Um, back in August, I started doing this. I learned it from another pastor. Uh, I'd heard about it before and then just sort of forgotten about it, but got reminded. And so uh, because, because of his example, I said, I'm going to start doing this. Every day at 935, my phone goes off and I pray Matthew 935 to 38. Some of you may be familiar with praying Luke 10 2. If you remember, anybody heard to pray Luke 10 2? No? All right, I've done a lousy job on that. So I'm going to tell you what I, I used to pray it. It's the same passage as 935, but I was always in a meeting at 10.02, and it would interrupt the meeting. And so I moved it to 935 because I hardly ever had meetings at 9 o'clock. Anyways, Matthew 935 basically says that Jesus went throughout the whole region and was preaching the gospel, going and teaching in the synagogues and, and telling people the good news. And when he saw the people, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so he turned to his disciples and he said the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few how many of y'all recognize that verse and so then he says so pray 
Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And so every day at 9.35, if I, I'll pull that passage up. I'll read those verses, and then I'll pray. And I may pray all the way through it, or I may pray a specific passage, but very typically I'll say, Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. Send workers into the harvest field. Send me. Send me and Bridget. Send our family. Send our staff. Send the best of the best from our church. And then, Lord, raise people up from within our church to fill those gaps of people you've sent out. I've been praying that every day since August, and I'm, I'm really excited. You're going to get to hear about somebody today that, that God is sending out. You're going to get to hear about others this year that God is sending out. I would encourage you, if you're not doing so, pray for missions. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more people out into the mission field because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Second thing you can do is you can give. And we just spent a couple of weeks talking about giving, so I'm not going to get into that again. But let me just say, if you're praying for missions, then God will lay it upon your heart and lead you to give to missions. And you will do so gladly. You will do so joyfully. You will do so whenever there's an opportunity. You won't, you're like, I've been praying for, for people to be sent out, and here's somebody who's being sent out. I want to help that person go. So give. So pray, give. The third thing we can do as a church is send. You know, one of the ways that we do our part as a church in reaching the nations is by sending people out to reach the nations, to, to, to raise people up from within our church, to equip them, to train them, and to, and to let them know, hey, here's the different opportunities, and to send them out. Listen, one of the greatest joys I think we will ever have as a church is not just hearing about missions, but hearing about missions from, from somebody from within our church going and being a missionary. And that's not like a pat on the back for us, like we did something great. It's just God in his graciousness allowing us who have been good stewards to, to, to get the joy and privilege of, of being like the Antioch church who sent out Paul uh, and Barnabas to be like that and say, Lord, we got to send somebody out and we are so thankful. And there's that personal connection, that personal attachment that, that's going to lead us to pray for more and support more and want to send more. So we pray, we give, we send, and then the last one is we go. Look, someone's got to go. We can't stop with praying, sending, and, and, and uh, praying, giving, and sending. Somebody's got to go. Someone's got to go reach the lost in far off places. It's kind of like children's ministry. We know someone's got to do it, and we hope someone else is. You know, going on mission, you know, someone has got, God might just be calling people from out of our church to go be missionaries. As a matter of fact, I already know that he's calling people out of our church. And it might just be for a short time. It might be a mission trip, you know, a, a couple of weeks or even a few weeks. It might be for a summer. It may be for a semester, even a couple of years. And some of you may be called to be career missionaries, to leave everything behind and go to some far-off place because that's what God has for you. But if we're going to reach the unreached, someone's got to go. Just this last weekend, we had the uh, Daytona 500 and only one car crossed the finish line first. A bunch of cars crossed the finish line, but only one car crossed the finish line. Only one driver, William Byron, was the winner of the Daytona 500, but he didn't get there by himself. There was about half a dozen people who jumped over the wall several times during the race, giving them gas, giving them fresh tires, passing them a water bottle, whatever it takes. There's another group of people who never jumped across the wall, but they were supporting that whole, that whole team. 
Then there's a whole mess of people back at the Hendrick Motorsports in Charlotte who built the car and tested it. And then a bunch of others who worked in the front office and took, could have, took care of payroll and all sorts of other things. Even though one person, only one person sat behind the wheel and only one person, you know, is going to be remembered as, as the winner, the whole team got to celebrate. Well, guys, one day we're going to get to heaven. And my hope for you, my hope for me, is we may, we may send out a missionary here and there. We may, you may get the privilege of getting to see somebody come to faith in Christ. But my hope for me and you is that we as a whole team will get to celebrate what's going on up there. Because we each did what God called us to do. That we are on the team. That we're doing what God's called us to do. That we are praying and giving and training people up to send and maybe even going. But it starts with how we will respond to God's call on our life today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, all across the room, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you speak to people's hearts. I know you've spoken to people's hearts through the spoken word, through what's been sung, through what's been prayed, and, in, and now even what's been shared. God, I pray that our hearts will be turned towards you right now that we would listen to your spirit speak to us and we would say yes to whatever you're calling us to do. Whatever big thing, whatever little thing, we would say yes. That we would say, yes, I want to be on your team. I want to do my part. I want to see countless people come to faith in Christ and I want to stand among the innumerable crowd celebrating that great scene in heaven. God, I know you're mighty to save, and I know you can use me to help others come to faith in you, so use me. In Christ's name we pray, amen.